Hello, well, this is Blonde Haired Girl. Yesterday I had an amazing, I'm not sure if it was amazing for them, but I had an amazing family therapy session. I was working with this family that um, has teenage children, in fact, three teenage children. And I could actually like present them, you know, as a complete prototype of your of your pretty average American family. And what is happening with a lot of my my because that's what I work with. I I work with uh, parents and their children, and so. And so it's, it was just a real honor to be able to sit there and facilitate their process. And I, I, I plan to do this for the duration of my time with them. But they, but in most cases, what is happening with parents and their, especially teenagers, but if you think about it, it's not really that different than a two-year-old. <laughs> What is ending up happening is is that parents have expectations or rules or you know uh, with their children and their children are not abiding by those rules and then there's some kind of consequence and I and it's super interesting to watch and it's it's you know i think that most parents uh to some degree are really just wanting the health and safety of their children and a lot of times we're like parents are hustling like myself included i think you know most of the years that I raised my children, I was a single mom. And so I had to have a whole lot of trust in my children that uh, they didn't always come home to a parent, like right away. I, I usually was home within, you know, not that long from them being home uh, based on my choices, but as they got older, I was away and now I'm not coming home. My I work really long hours and into the evening, right at this point. But um, so we're out hustling, and you know, and we, but we also want to know that our children are okay. You know, so basically, what I had heard was that the the parent there there have been this presentation from my partner that they set up some kind of a a um a contract some kind of a contract system and basically she was realizing that though the kink is is that her children are not abiding by the contract they're just not and and so it's causing a lot of you know, friction, and then the parent is 
trying to enact some kind of control over the children. And a lot of times in our society, that control is with the cell phone. So um, if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, then I'm going to take your cell phone. But one of the issues with taking the cell phone is that then it is, they're not able to shoot off a text to say, you know, hey, mom, I'm going such and such a place. Um, they're not able to, because a lot of times parents don't really care so much. It, you know, at least even these parents didn't see as long as they were doing something that wasn't dangerous or um or hanging out with people that they don't want them to hang out with you know as in this child may be doing drugs or doing something that the parent you know but a lot of the stuff that our children do is like we don't care if you go over to Sunny's house and have fruit loops <laughs> But the basic point is, is can we have a relationship that really is based on freedom? That has freedom on its, of its, at its core. And especially with children and their propensities, like, you know, I, I, because like, I have never actually taken any of my children's cell phones in all of these years, which I'm now finding is a pretty unusual thing. But I also understand that my children were really born with some pretty amazing propensities They just were kind of intrinsically, you know, (laughs) um, but I also ruled, and I was kind of the queen, if you think about it. I was the queen of my house, but I definitely ruled with, I guess, love. I, I was like, you know in some ways kind of a softy in a way I um and there were times where I I absolutely knew that my children lied to me but I didn't necessarily always call them out on it because I also know that I wanted my children to have a percentage of privacy to an extent you know and I I really did trust them and I'm not saying I did a perfect job and I but you know my third child is fastly approaching 18 and and they're all you know doing pretty good <laughs> protective members of society when they were when they were really really small I remember my my sister had come to me and told me, you know, you really need to raise your kids God's way. There was this program, I guess, at her church called Raising Kids God's Way. And every time anybody would ever say such a thing to me, I would, my 
I like God's way. Really? Like there's no way that I'm raising my child your God's way. Um and then I remember her saying <laughs> I'm giving away my sister's secrets. Um I remember her saying, you know, you know, something about a spatula in her son. You know, about spanking her child with a spatula. I said, well, is that working? You know, how many times are you having to spank him? Oh, well, we're down to 13 times a day. So 13 times a day, my sister is spanking her child with a spatula. (laughs) And, And so I'm... I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's sort of a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift in parenting that, you know, and I'm going to refer to it because I, by the time I, my, my, especially my third child was born, I was, I was learning about a different idea it it was actually started by this um person her name was Magda Gerber and she was a she was a um I'm not going to quote correctly cuz I I'm not entirely sure all I know was by this point there were a lot of children in Europe during World War II who were orphaned and so there were all these children in these orphanages and they were finding that they had neurological issues because they weren't picked up and they weren't cared for. And so they started these practices in in these orphanages and they found, so they had like one primary caretaker for this child. So not that it was necessarily one-on-one, like they might have, you know, uh, four infants that they're caring for, but they started these practices where the caring of the child became sort of like the curriculum in a group setting. And so, so like when you're feeding the baby or when you're um, changing their diaper, when you're rocking them to sleep, um, you're giving them a lot of attention. You're giving them eye contact. So you're looking at them. You're talking to them. You're uh, also telling them everything you want that you're going to do with them. You're like you're like doing this, like really uh, telling them everything. Like before you pick them up, oh, I'm going to pick you up now and go to change your diaper. You know, and then you're. Um, or I'm going to feed you your Bible body, your your bottle now. So I'm going to lift you, and you, so you, you would never just walk over to a baby and just from the like from the back and just whisk them up. You just in this approach, it's called the Rye approach. You do not. You would never do that. And I and so then as the years went on, I would. I would use, oh, but then let me just finish that. So if you're not caring for the child, the child is laying on their back. The child is laying on their back 
on the floor, just discovering, just learning, just at their own pace. And their hands and their feet become their first toys. They're like, you know, if you those of you parents are remembering your babies, um, and in in this program, which is very unwestern, I have to say, there is no tummy time. You would never put a baby on a bell on their belly like that ever. Um, you would never put a baby in a position that they could not get to themselves. And I use the example of, you know, with people, and I kind of chuckle when I say it, but it's really, you know, okay, go over there and stand on your head to an adult. It's like, you want me to do what? (laughs) You know, go over there and get in a position that you don't even know how to get out of. So I'm going to put you in a position that you don't know how to get out of as well. And so, so, so the baby learns how to roll on their own timing. Their development is based on their own innate desire to move. When their muscles are ready to do that. And so, and because this is so unwestern, I really, really just kept my mouth shut and didn't talk about some of the stuff that I learned in on the right approach um, to infant cares. But I didn't really do that necessarily with my children because I learned these things after they were had left their their infancy. But I I really talked to my children a lot. So I talked to them a lot and and I asked them questions a lot. I, I asked them what they thought, what they thought it was. I didn't always want to just tell my child what something was. I mean, it's like you think about it, and it's like, you know, we box our children in in their thoughts from the time they're just so young. It's this way. You know, when there's a multitude of different ways to do it, you know. Um, and so, so I remember that same sister coming over one day. So she comes over one day and my son is really, really, really upset. He's just so upset about something and he's like having a full stop tantrum. And my sister is looking to me to see what I'm going to do. And I said, I said, you know, you can go in your room and, you know, and do keep in mind that if you break something, I'm not going to replace it. Because I really did get tired of replacing things (laughs) with this particular child. Um, And my sister just could not believe that I would do that. And I said to her, point blank, I said, you know, someday my child is going to be like basically moved by their love for me, not their fear for me. I didn't say the fear part, but I said he will be moved by their love for me. And she just really laughed. She just laughed. She thought that was just utterly ridiculous. And so... 
And then here's the other thing that I did that was just really unusual in today's standards. I I didn't necessarily box my children into a certain faith, which seems really odd given the fact that my entire life has been has been one of faith. My I've been this I've been like this way my whole life I believed in things that weren't necessarily seen to that point. And I and I don't know that these things are ever like really completely understood or what would be the point really. Um but I I trusted them. And in fact I, I really did not want to indoctrinate my children. I didn't want to tell them whether to be what political party to join. I didn't want to, I didn't, you know, so in some ways it it may have been a little bit challenging, but then they had to take responsibility. They had to learn how to think. And, and so I, I really left like this, canvas empty for them to discover and that was another thing in the the right approach to infant care was you do not tell child how to do something necessarily like and 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 I gave parents this example so I give I give the my friend a gift and I put it in front of them you know, but then I keep taking the gift back and then I unwrap it. And I say, okay, here, yeah, open it, open it, open it. Oh my God, this is how you open it. This is how you open it, right? Okay, you know, and then and then they open the gift and then, you know, this is how you use it. And and not not having the person discover for themselves what it is and, and be able to discover how it works. That's part of the process. That's part of the process is is to discover how this thing works, right? <laughs> um, or, you know, we give somebody something and then we tell them exactly what they're going to do with it and where they're going to put it. And I mean, there's no fun in that. And so we take away children's sense of wonder pretty much their whole life. And so I what I see is I see really 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 nervous adults who are not parents who are not having you know and I'm sorry their needs met uh because parents do have needs uh so they're not having their need met of of I guess trusting that their children are okay or um and then the children have zero to little freedom. And what I noticed like so and so it's like you kinda wonder like is it a it's like are they are they being are these kids like being like really intrinsically as a a term that I don't really like but the term disobedient 
are they being disobedient or or do they not understand the direction you know do they not understand like you know and so hmm because sometimes they do sometimes children you know will do something completely different than what their parent wants them to do and some children do something different categorically every time they're asked to do something um <laughs> i make jokes about it just because i think that it's incredibly funny but every single time one of my children puts a dish in the dishwasher uh he puts it in sideways Okay, just going to put that out there just as a sort of silly um, example. I feel like, because it's been many, 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 many years, okay, so at least eight since we've been living where we're living, that he's been doing it like this. There's categorically no way that I have not at some point asked him to please put the dishes in straight. He and he actually unloads the dishwasher a lot. So he can see when he unloads it that mom has moved the dish, has moved his dishes, like especially plates. He like moves the plates. <laughs> okay, so this is the way he's going to do it. He is always going to put his plate in the dishwasher sideways. So what do I do? So what what do I do? I mean, I have to admit that every single time it kind of annoys me to a certain degree. At this point, not very much. But I'm just saying, you know, like if every single time you go to put a dish in the dishwasher and that that you know that they put theirs in sideways. Um, what do I do? So every single time I just move the plate, I just fix them. Every time I just fix the plate, I'm like, you know what? I This is not an argument that I want to have. But then there's like, okay, so, but then let's like, let's like change the scenario a little bit. Okay, so so say I have a, and this is not happening in my house, but I'm just using it as an example. Okay, so I have my child, like, feed the dog, because it is indeed his dog, although I love the dog very much. Um, but say I have the dog, I feed the dog, and we have a scooper, and I say, okay, give her one scoop of food in the morning and one scoop of food in the evening, and, and, um, okay. So say he decides to give the dog three scoops of, of food. Okay. Now this is affecting the dog because the dog is three times bigger than the dog should be. So we don't want our dogs to be like obese. We don't want our dogs to be like overweight. And so we're like, <laughs> You know, and so, and then we ask, we say, you know, 
I'm I'm noticing that we're going through dog food really quickly and the dog is quite large. <laughs> and so we go back to reminding them, but say say the child just continuously does this in an in, in the in an inappropriate way for the dog. Like it, you know, so then it's suggested, well, maybe we'll just maybe I will just have him not feed the dog anymore. But but this isn't going to work in the long run because throughout our life whether we whether we like it or not we are going to be asked to do something a certain way and we're going to have to do it that way. And which brings me to and I'm not sure I really want to get onto it now I'm like actually forgetting because I had, oh yes, getting on to the idea of, of relationships, like romance, like just even, um, relationships with, you know, somebody that we love, like a particular person that we love for into monogamy, or even if we're not, like, if you think about it, you, you know, they may have some requests that are asked. And this is, you know, what I'm learning is, is this is one of the number one reasons for divorce, for breakups, especially with women, is that we ask them to do something. And something... And it may be a great many things, but, and then this person chooses to not do that. Chooses to not do that. And so we, we, and then over a series of years of being ignored of like, so let's just say it's my spouse that continues to put the dish in sideways. Let's just say it's my spouse who's doing that. And I, over the years, and I just, at some point, I just have a breaking point and I'm just like, I, I want a divorce. I want a person who puts the dishes in the dishwasher straight. <laughs> Being kind of silly there. So is it possible to have a, a marriage based on freedom? I mean, is it, or is this, or is this, is marriage intrinsically a, a, a zone where you lose your freedom? So this was an example of something that I really, I wanted to share in this particular scenario is, okay, so there had been a guy in town that I had I had sort of liked over the years. I sort of liked this guy. I don't know. There's something about him. I thought he was uh, interesting. Um, And so um, one day I had run into him at the, at the gas station and he's on, he's riding this little motorbike and, and, uh, and I was like, Oh, cool. Anyway, so he invites me 
to go for a ride on his motorbike. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. So I hop on the back. I had known this man, this person. Well, actually, I would call him an acquaintance, but for years. I mean years. I don't even know how long. So I go on the ride, this little mini ride on the motorcycle, and he takes me out to a place. And, like, if you think about it, this was a little bit dangerous. This was something that I really wouldn't want my daughter doing. But so he takes me out to this place in, I live in a, basically a forest. So he takes me out to this forest and he parks and he gives me an offer. So he says, you know, I would really like to be lovers with you. I would like to, I would really take care of you. I would do this, this, and that. And, um, but I'm never going to leave my wife. I'm never going to leave my wife. And you know, we sort of have this arrangement and as long as she doesn't know about it, um, it's all well and good. And so I didn't know exactly at the time why I was doing this, but I had to ask him. And I said, okay, so, so, so we become lovers, like presuming that I would even want to be lovers with this guy. Um, but I said, would you have a problem with me like having other lovers? And he said, no. And it was at that point that I, that I really understood that he and I were not compatible. We were not, you know, cause this is not a monogamous person. And so I think finding somebody who would have the freedom, would freely choose monogamy. And, and, and if you think about it, like a lot of times, like we actually kind of like for me, I have freely chosen monogamy over the years i have i have chosen to be faithful to someone because i loved them and i didn't feel like that expectation the expectation that i was going to be faithful to this person was an infringement on my particular rights or my particular freedom because i was i was willingly making that choice to be in that relationship for a period of time. But like when I really think about, about why relationships have ended in my life, it really has been um, there has been an element of of them making a choice like against like fidelity to our to me to to our relationship um it's so interesting i had i had presented in a previous podcast a long time ago about this idea that i had that our relationships are really driven 
by the attachment that we had with our caretakers since before we can even remember. So much of this is ingrained before we're even three years old. So before we're even three years old, we have like a an attachment style that has been sort of ingrained in us by our caretakers, whoever they may be. And I'm not saying that they can't be changed and they can't be worked on, but I actually bought this book that I'm going to be getting um, that is actually basically on this premise, and I'm really excited to read it. And so something is already out there having to do with this. Um, And the reason why I bought the book was because this... uh, person had presented that um, people with this certain attachment style always have a phantom girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. He he called it the phantom ex-girlfriend. And and in all actuality, that was exactly what ended a relationship of mine with somebody that I loved very much. Um, He had uh he had brought the phantom ex-girlfriend into our relationship and it sort of never went away it was just this um it was this uh just constant reminder of this person um and i'm really excited to to read about this, this, in this book, how has it, I mean, cause it was like, this person was like describing him in particular. Um, but I, but it's like, if you think about it, it's sort of like, is like that. So like we, we, you know, people who think, you know, always think there's somebody better. You know, it's like, I, I don't want to rope myself in, you know, when, Somebody better might be out there. This this like elusive, you know, the right one. Like the one that we're with. It's like at first the one that we're with is like, you know, all shiny and new and great. And then and then somehow they lose their luster and we have to move on to other pastures, right? <laughs> But what I have found is is that the grass is certainly not greener. It's not. It's really not. It's like sort of like going through this series of the same relationship over and over and over again. And so, and so, the way that this sort of relates is, is that at some point it kind of feels like like i'm infringing on their freedom at some point i get wind of you know that i'm infringing on their freedom to do and it's like you're free to do whatever you want however you're not free to do whatever you want to to me Um, 
and I've got to get my my brain a little bit more around around that before I I'm going to have to think about this a little bit but I did want to to talk about this sort of because it really is I mean is it is it possible like you know cuz that's I woke up and I it's the middle of the night again and I was thinking you know is it possible to have a relationship with almost anyone or anything that really is based on freedom I mean and I just really like was asking the question like because it kind of we're social creatures and they're they're but it really kind of seems like if the relationship is based on freedom and love then then it's possible but but also relationships might be a little bit more transient than we like to think you know cuz we and i'm saying this but but in all actuality it kind of seems like the way that we are set up maybe i should say me and people like me because not everybody's set up like me so i'm just going to talk about people who are and i'm just going to say monogamous cuz i don't know what other term to even use by it people who are um monogamous it seems like our whole body is set up on that like our whole body is set up for us to form attachments um based on you know and and even children and parents like a mother and a child or it can be a father and the child being put like on our chest and skin like our skin actually touching and the effect that that has on the brain of both people um when when we hug when we you know when we kiss our our lover for like a better term when we hug and kiss and when we share bodies and you know these are all things that are incredibly bonding and and it is so much gratifying like they say that that studies have shown that people who have longevity in their relationships actually live longer they actually live longer because they're happier because there's nothing there's nothing i mean i can't imagine anything that really destroys a person's happiness faster than a than an actual bad relationship <laughs> but anyway this is just something that i was thinking about that i will continue to think about but I, you know, I, I generally like getting back to my original that I, this family counseling, I really feel 
for both sides. I feel for parents who are incredibly concerned about their children and then also children who have actually no privacy and no freedom. And like, how do we meet in the middle and sort of mediating that sort of being the facilitator of figuring this out? Something that would be actually doable for both sides of that coin. But anyway, I'll be back with other ideas. I'm going to try to go back to sleep. I thank you for listening and I will be back with other ideas. And that's a wrap. <laughs>